to that oneness guy podcast a podcast covering the many aspects and elements that embody oneness our inherent eternal truth and birthright reminding us that we are connected to one and all as individualized expressions of one source i am your host danny rongo and yes i am that oneness guy as an author speaker and singer songwriter I continue to share my unique message of oneness. So, let's get right into podcasting. To words that encourage me, I am. Hello, my friends in oneness, and thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you all found your way to say goodbye to August as I did and, and, and for summer for all intents and purposes, as we now find our way heading into September, which means back to school for folks like me. Um, but I'm really excited about this episode for, uh, for a few reasons. First, first, we get to hear the compassionate insight from yet another spiritual author. And I am also very excited because my guest comes from a scientific background as a chemical engineer. And as you guys know, I always welcome anyone who can add science to a spiritual conversation. And my guest does it extremely well and with eloquence. Um, And finally, because my guest just happens to be, as you out there watching, you can see he is a man. Now, If you saw the video that I recently posted celebrating my 50 episodes as a podcaster, you may have noticed that of those 50 episodes, just about all of them were women. And actually only five of my guests out of the 50 were men. Now, not that it makes a difference, as I am blessed to know all of these women. I just find it refreshing to once again hear the perspective from another guy, as I may say. So with that said, let me tell you a little about my new friend here, Sean Salamander. Sean's life has been one of seeking and searching for the truth wherever he can find it, as he has a passion for both science and spirituality. In the outer world of science, Sean completed a degree in chemical engineering from Rose Holman Institute of Technology and has spent most of his adult life working in that field. Now, in the inner world of spirituality, Sean has investigated many spiritual nooks and crannies, including Christian mysticism, Zen Buddhism, Sufism, Taoism, and Hinduism. Sean believes there are many paths on the mountain, all leading to the same universal truths, which are atop of that mountain. He believes that our saints, sages, and spiritual masters have all been having a conversation with the same universal intelligence, and that these mystics have all mastered the language of the universe. Sean says that he is still learning the nuances of this language, and he considers himself a continual student of that language. The author of The Hidden Teachings, Spiritual Engineering, and How to Connect Directly to the Universe. My friends, please say hello to my new spiritual brother and my new friend, Sean Salamander. Sean, how you doing, brother? Very well. 
Thank, thank you, Danny. Yeah, very well. Very good. Absolutely. Listen, like, you know, like I said, it's uh, so good to have you here, especially because we share so much in common, especially that we come from relatively different backgrounds, not really associated with the spiritual world. But, but yet we found our way later on in life to doing what we're doing right now, writing about stuff that uh, can help humanity and helps us spiritually. So as I always like to say, Sean, um, right up front, I'd like to have my guests give some insight about, you know, what led you to this point. So yeah. tell us as much or as little as you would like to say about yeah. the background of Sean Salamander. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I, I would summarize uh, myself as a truth seeker. And um, early in my life, that started off in the world of science. So engineering and science and looking for what I would call truths in the outer world. So mm -hmm. a world that um, you can measure and, and repeat experiments and, and do all of that. I, I went to school in engineering school, graduated from engineering. Um, and then I really pursued uh, a role in industry for a, about 30 years where I was you know, pretty much in a traditional large manufacturing, pharmaceutical manufacturing operation. At the end of that career, I was uh, in leadership and leading the science component within this large manufacturing division. Uh, but all along the way, I've had this, I would say, thirst, this passion for spirituality. And if you look at my bookshelf here at home, it, you'll see a, a pretty uh, a, a blend of spirituality and science. Um, as you mentioned in the introduction, studied many different branches of religion, all tending to be on what I would call the mystical side of those religions. And I define a mystic as someone who has kind of a direct experience, a direct connection with, with the universe, with God. Uh, right up front, I'll say that I, I use the word universe to describe, you know, what most people might call God, but mm -hmm. I think God has some you know, there's some baggage with that word. And so I use the word universe kind of interchangeably with, with God, but there's, you know, humans have invented lots of words to describe this yeah. indescribable thing. Of course. Um, so I know on, on some of my Twitter discussions, people say, well, why don't you say God? And I'm like, well, sometimes I do use that word, but I also, I tend to prefer the word universe with a capital U to kind of describe this thing is really indescribable, but um, that that's, so when I say universe, I'm using that kind of interchangeably with this, you know, this, this sort this uh, intelligent and compassionate consciousness that we all have a feeling exists mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's you know, indescribable. But these mystics, um, these are folks who have had some type of direct connection. And I think we all have that to varying degrees, but, you know, some of our spiritual teachers have this really deep uh, connection, and most of them have taught that we can also cultivate that same connection. And that's kind of, that's one of the themes of, of my book. Um, I try to, I, I, I am not an intuitive person. I'm not a, I, I don't have psychic abilities. I don't have anything that you would consider kind of, you know, a lot of people in this in the spirituality field are um, they, they tend to be intuitive. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I, however, am coming much more from a left brain kind of logical, rational uh, side of things. And I tend to look for, are there, is there a scientific hypothesis that would explain 
some of the phenomena that we see happening in the world of spirituality. Mm. I, I think that there probably are. We just we just haven't uncovered them yet. We haven't uncovered those underlying uh, scientific principles that explain what we what we see happening in spirituality. Yeah, but there are more and more, like as we've noticed and and as we've talked about last week on our brief discussion, more. Uh, people coming forward from the scientific side of things to your point like dr joe dispenza and yes. obviously someone like deepak chopra who has so much of a background too regarding uh you know quantum physics yes. and stuff. so it like i said up front it's so it's a blessing for me sean because i've i've always struggled at times because like when people hit me with like the question like dan where's the proof where's the data where's the numbers to it yeah. what's the scientific side it's always tough for me to come across yeah, i just got to stay true to my you know like i stay in my lane per se yeah sean like i always say listen here's what i know and here's why i believe it and here's why i talk about yeah. it yeah yeah and i and believe me i think that asking those questions are I, are totally legitimate and absolutely to ask. I mean, you, I was having a discussion with my my wife last night at dinner, and we were talking about souls. And she was, and I was saying, "Well, here's what I believe." And she's like, "Well, you don't know that." I'm like, "Well, I, no, I don't know that. I've never had a near death experience. Um, I've never uh, had a hypnotic regression to the time in between lives. We could talk more about reincarnation. I didn't used to believe in reincarnation. I I do now." Um, but I've studied a lot of the leaders in those fields in, in reincarnation, near-death experiences, uh, a guy called Michael Newton, who did a lot of work with hypnotically regressing people to mm -hmm. the time between lives. And all of these independent researchers, um, they kind of converge on, uh, there's some commonalities in what they, what they report through their research. And as a scientist, as an engineer, that that is important to me because it yeah. it lends more credence to uh, the spiritual principles that we've been taught um, from our teachers. One of the things, one of the uh, kind of catch phrases uh, is I think that spiritual principles are just as real and provable as scientific principles. However, when you are trying to prove a spiritual principle, you're you have to prove it to yourself within your own consciousness. Mm. It's, it's, it's hard to prove that to other people. Exactly. But it doesn't. And that's the challenge, right? It, right. It, yeah. But it doesn't negate that the spiritual principles are true. Absolutely does not negate. I always say, if it resonates with you, yeah. you know, if like something resonates with you to that point, Sean, that it's, it's, it's a truth because in your being, it's feeling, you can feel that energy and it's resonating as a truth because you know how your truths feel versus your non-truths. Yes. It's feelings, it's, it's energy. So that's how I kind of approach it. Like, how does yes. it feel to you? Like when I have a conversation similar to this with, yeah. with some friends? And, yes. So, I mean, the book, um, the hidden teachings, my book that I, that I've written, um, the, what I did as an engineer, I went through the New Testament and I created a spreadsheet. I know this is going to sound <laughs> kind of nerdy, but I created a spreadsheet, went through the whole New Testament. I outlined those verses that resonated with me and also resonated with other spiritual teachings, other teachers based on my other you know, stud studies of other of Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Taoism, etc., and you start to see that there are commonalities 
with with the teachings, especially mm. if you can peel away the outer layers of theology and ritual, you get to the inner teachings. This is why the book is called The Hidden Teachings. Um, it's You get to the inner core of what these spiritual teachers are saying. And I find that they're very similar. I find oh. that the spiritual principles are very similar. And it's to me, it's more evidence that these mystics, these teachers are having the same conversation with the same universal intelligence because they're reporting remarkably consistent and similar things. Very similar. You know, like I always so, use the comparison, Sean, between Jesus and Lao Tzu. Yeah. Now, Lao Tzu lived 600 years before Jesus, but many of, of what Jesus said, much of what Jesus said, I should say, is the exact same as what Lao Tzu said. And it was 600 years prior. So, you know, like when I started to understand that, to your point, it just resonated with me that it's a truth. And because these, these, these mystics, these messengers, as I like to call them, they're just sharing eternal truths that are just flowing down and flowing through messengers like you and I. Yeah. As well. I said, yeah. Um, a few days ago, I, I, and so, and you brought up Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching. Um, I sent out a tweet a few days ago, and and I was citing from um, Lao Tzu. He, in the Tao Te Ching, there's a verse that says, "The great Tao flows everywhere." Yeah. Of course, what Jesus says in the New Testament in Luke, he says, "The kingdom of God is within you." Um, and so, um, I find that there's remarkable. Um, similarities in the teachings, if if you're willing to kind of cut to the core and look at the essence of exactly, the yeah, and and I know there's, you know, a lot of people's knock against religion is well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of, you know, everybody says that they're right, but I, I guess one of the reasons for the book was to look for the similarities and the various religions rather than the differences. And I yeah. think that they're actually quite similar at the core. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So the book has, I mean, I have, there's seven main chapters and each chapter is a spiritual principle. And again, I'm pulling from the new Testament, but the reason why I highlighted each of the seven principles was that I found evidence for those spiritual principles in other teachings. It wasn't just the teaching from, from Jesus, from the new Testament, but it was teachings from, from the Tao, from the Tao Te Ching, from, from Zen, Buddhism, from mm -hmm. uh, Sufism. I'm a big uh, uh, fan of Sufism, which is the mystical side. Yeah, I actually have to look more into that because like when uh, I first saw that in your bio, yeah. to me, I was like, all right, I have to look up. I didn't even know what Sufism was. It, it, Sufism is kind of the mystical branch of Islam. Okay. And a famous uh, Sufi teacher uh, is a guy called Rumi. Um, yeah, so, oh, so I know of Rumi. Probably, yeah, you yeah. probably heard of Rumi. Yeah, sure. So it's I tend most of my uh, research. I I really end up looking at these mystics because these mystics. There's there's some. This is something I'm very fascinated with, and I'm trying to cultivate in my own life. How do you develop this direct connection with with God, with the universe, with mm -hmm. this this sacred unity? What? How do you how can you cultivate that in your own life? And I think that, 
I know Jesus said that you, we could do this. Other teachers have said that we could do this. And so that's one of the, that's another theme in my book is that you you too can can access this, create this. It's not it's not necessarily simple. It's not, it's it's like anything else. It's a skill to be developed. It's something you have to work at. But you but it is possible. And these spiritual teachers have kind of led the way with with doing that. And I think if you can do it, and believe me, I'm not. I'm not saying that I've done this, but it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a practice that I'm trying to cultivate. But if you can do that, I think a lot of uh, a lot of doors are unlocked for you. A lot of happiness and joy, spontaneous joy. Um, I think some. I think people talk a lot about you know with with the book The Secret. People were talking yeah. about you know your and I. That's one of the chapters in my book. Your inner consciousness creates your outer reality. That sounds like some new age teaching, but it's really not. It shows up quite a bit in the New Testament, um, in the teachings from from Jesus of Nazareth. It shows up quite a bit, and I I highlight those verses in that chapter. But I think that in order for that to be um, effective, in order for your inner consciousness to manifest your outer reality. I do think you have to have a certain kind of uh, connection, um, maybe the right word. Your consciousness has to be elevated to the right level. Uh, and, and it's kind of, and I, want, I, I guess the way I, the metaphor I used to describe that is, is your connection with the universe. Exactly. You know, I always just try to break it down as, as simply as possible. Uh, you know, like when I try to have these talks about how your inner world you know, and it actually just turns and creates your outer world. I, I just look at life, Sean, as it's nothing but a mirror. And it's just simply reflecting what we are. Now, that's the same way as saying that your inner world creates your outer world. And, you know, you have perfect, perfect examples. If you see someone who's always upset or always miserable about stuff, what is reflecting in their outer world? Troubles. Yeah. Uh, problems, money problems, life problems, marriage problems. It, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it, there's a direct correlation there for that reason. So, you know, it's just these obvious, obvious human traits that give credence to what you're saying here. Your inner world creates your outer world. You know, I say it all the time to my, especially to my wife who's in the kitchen right now. And if she heard this, she'd probably yell at me for saying it, but she's always so happy. And it's because she just is beautiful on the inside as well as on the yeah. outside. But she has, you know, she chooses. It comes down to that choice. Again, it is right? a choice. It is a choice. It's definitely a choice. And people want to talk about, well, it's just the way I am. Well, it's my genetics. Well, it's this or that. Well, they're blessed then. Good for them. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people aren't. <laughs> yeah. I, one of my, um, I'm not even sure who said this, but, you know, if, if you go to a picnic and, it starts storming and raining. You have a choice. Do you yell at the sky or do, yeah. you, or do you dance in the mud puddles? Exactly. You, know, you, you, you have Love a choice it. there, right? You have so, a choice. And, and I think that that's, in large, I think that's what the spirituality um, that I'm most interested in. I think it's a lot about personal responsibility and a lot about your personal choice. Um, mm. And so how... You know, what practices do you need to um, 
engage in to cultivate this this higher connection yeah. to elevate your consciousness. This is just the perfect way to what you say in your subtitle, how to directly yeah. connect to the universe. Yeah. This topic and this chapter obviously is a great way for people to start. If they can buy into this, this concept and come to understand it from a spiritual perspective, that your inner world does in fact create the outer world. It's a great start, my friends, yeah. if you're out there listening. Yeah. I'll tell a little story on that, on this one, on the, your Please. inner consciousness, creating your outer reality. And I tell this story in my book. Um, it, it's the story of how I met and married my wife. And so um, this is my second wife. Um, I, after I was divorced, um, um, I decided that I was going to write down an affirmation and look for my soulmate. And so I wrote this down. I described, this is what I'm looking for. Universe, this is what I'm looking for. She is intelligent. She is beautiful. She has an awesome smile. She's independent. And I wrote all of this down. And then I took that list and I, I, every day I would look at this list and not, not just look at it and read it, but kind of feel it and be grateful for it as if it had already occurred. And that's one of the key teachings is that you almost, you, you, you almost really, you need to be grateful as if whatever it is you're envisioning has already occurred. Gratitude turns out to be a pretty important ingredient, if you like. Anyway, I wrote this list down. The very last uh, thing that I wrote down is, and the universe will prove her to me with an undeniable sign. Wow. So I, as an engineer, I wanted to have some evidence that, you know, you, you could, you know, a, a, a woman comes along, oh, she's the one, she's the one. You could kind of convince yourself. But I wanted to have a sign that, that my wife, my, my now wife was the one. And so within about, I'd say three or four months after I wrote this affirmation down, I started meditating with this. I started envisioning this. I started being grateful for this. Within about three or four months, I met this beautiful woman uh, at work uh, of all places. She had moved up from, uh, she had just moved to the office that I was in. And I don't know, a few weeks, I, a few weeks later, we were dating. A, a few months later, we were married. Yeah. And, and the thing that this, so what was the undeniable sign? What was the, this is, it's, it's so weird. I mean, here, but here's what happened. My wife has a very large birthmark on the back of her leg. It's a, it's very large. It's kind of a red blotchiness all up and down the back of her leg. And she's a little self-conscious of this. And so we, but I, we went to a swimming, we went to some swim party and we ended up swimming and I, I saw that birthmark and my heart skipped a beat because it turns out that my mom who had passed, um, you know, she passed back you know, um, 20 years ago, but my mom had the exact same birthmark on the back of her leg. Get out of here. I'm not kidding. And, and so that, to me, Here's your sign, was, brother. That was my sign. I'm like, okay, well, she's the one. And just, just to tie this up a little more, uh, kind of connecting to my mom and my and my wife. When my mom passed, I went I went to my dad's house, and that night I had this very intense 
very vivid dream of, and I was married to my first wife at the time when my mom passed, but I had this very vivid dream of this beautiful, dark-haired woman with a beautiful, bright smile, and we were laughing and joking, and, and I knew that that's what my mom wanted for me. And at the time, I had no idea who this woman was, but I'm convinced, Danny, I'm convinced that all these years later that it's the lady that I married. It's Absolutely. So I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of those experiences, but when they occur, they're very, it, it's just very striking. And, and it's, to me, it's, it's, it's a signpost. It's something, it's something shouting at you like, Hey, this is real. Oh, that's wow. a, that's a, that's a push. That ain't no nudge. That's, yeah. that's a sign, man. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I think if you, on this topic of your inner consciousness, creating your outer reality, I don't think you can just say, you know, just say it a couple of times. And it's that it's really about changing your consciousness. Well, well, how do you do that? It's, it's your thoughts, it's your beliefs, it's the emotion you put behind it. It's, it's how you live your nice. the actions and how you live. You know, if you say I'm envisioning myself to be a, you know, I don't know, a, a great tennis player, but, but you're, you know, you're, you're sitting at home eating Doritos and, and, you know, watching television. We, you know, that's your actions are not backing up your, what you're envisioning for yourself. Yeah. So it's, you have to throw yourself into it, both in the outer world and the inner world. It has to become a way of life if, yes. if, if it's really to work. That's, that's yeah, how yes. you really have to believe it's well, exactly. Like you said, you can't be a tennis player and just overeat and sit on the couch. You know, like you have to buy into it from yeah. from the whole perspective of it, from understanding that we are spiritual beings here, having this human experience, as as Wayne Dyer yes. said so eloquently, not the other way around. Yes. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. He flips it; it's the other way. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, to me, that's the foundation because once you understand that we are spiritual beings, all these concepts, all of these ideas, tend to make a little more sense. And then what happens then, Sean, as you and I can attest to, it it motivates us to learn more. Like, you know, yeah. your book and your whole mantra about being a truth seeker is is so beautiful. And yeah. this just, you know, fell right into place for you because you spent your entire, you know, education and your and your and your work was in a field where you were seeking the truth and seeking the truth and learning and learning. And for someone to get that same that same output towards spirituality uh, yeah. man that would be uh wonderful for anyone i i would i would consider that a blessing for anyone yeah. yeah i i think when i have spiritual conversations with people which you know I, I end up having a lot i mean it's just you know i bump into strangers and we end up talking about it for some reason i i like to bring the receipts i like to bring the evidence as much as i can yeah it's 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 difficult because most a lot of the evidence is really coming from the testimony of others. And so as soon as you start talking about humans, you know, saying certain things, you know, you, you, you know, obviously you got to take that with a grain of salt. If one person says it, okay. But if 10 people say it, if a hundred people say it, if thousands of people are saying the same thing, then you, you start to put some weight behind what yes. it is that they're saying. Mm -hmm. um, second book that I'm working on right now, I mean, it's about the afterlife. And I think that there's, a lot of evidence of the afterlife. Um, one, one of the lines of evidence is near-death experiences. Um, I've studied a lot with the work of Raymond Moody. He actually coined the term near-death experience. 
Um, but I think if you look at near-death experiencers and what they say, it, it's incredibly consistent. They all don't say the exact same thing. But if you, again, if you look at thousands of testimonies, you see some common threads running through those testimonies. And to me, as a scientist, as an engineer, that, that becomes convincing. If, yeah. if thousands of people are saying the same thing, well, it, there's probably something there. There's probably something there. Um, and, you know, another example of that is reincarnation. I mentioned that at the beginning. I, I didn't used to believe in reincarnation, but I came across this researcher. His name's Dr. Ian Stevenson. And he was at the University of Virginia. He ended up, he spent a lifetime doing research on small children. And these children, we're talking two, two to six years old. These are very small children. And kind of as soon as they can speak, as soon as they can talk, they would have spontaneous memories of previous lives. Mm. And the things that they would say to their parents, to their loved ones, their brothers and sisters, in some cases, those could be verified. They could be validated in that current life. Yeah. Now, mommy, when I was a I, mommy, I was your uh, father in the previous life. And I took you out and I, uh, I, I spanked you at the, at the shed, you know, and the mom's like, how do you know that? There's no way you should know that. And Ian Stevenson collected uh, thousands and thousands of these cases from all over the world. And to me, that evidence was pretty compelling about the case for reincarnation. And to me, if you, if you hold on, if you say for a second that reincarnation is true, that to me is almost the best empirical evidence for the existence of God. Because yeah. if reincarnation is true, think about what that implies. It implies a system and a structure yeah. for your soul to come to a lifetime, have a lifetime, you know, and come to another lifetime to do, to learn new lessons. Well, over it presents over us with, with what? Another opportunity, yes. which gets back to, we always have choices to make. And yes. I'm hoping that I do have that choice because I'll be honest with you, Sean, I don't want to come back. I'm well, like hoping, <laughs> I'm like hoping this is, this is it for me because especially where like things are going, which is a uh, whole nother conversation. Uh, I have no desire when I'm said and done here, I'm said and done. I, I, well, I, I do have some comments on that. I do think you have a choice. I think, yeah. I think this life is a mixture of your soul has planned out some opportunities for you to learn. Yeah, we have how, to learn. How, however, it's also counterbalanced with your free will. You still have free will. So yeah. as things come up, you have choice, like we were saying earlier, you have a choice to react to a situation. If, if uh, somebody steals from you, you can choose revenge and go after them and, you know, try to hunt them down and do harm or whatever, or you can, you can forgive them. Yeah. So Choice. you have choices. And I think those choices lead to your karma. That's another chapter in my book. I think karma is real. I think it's not a new age thing. It's been around for a long time. Jesus talked about it quite a bit. Mm. Your, your karma uh, is a compassionate system for you to learn lessons. And if you don't learn it in this lifetime, then guess what? You're going to get a chance to learn it in a future lifetime. Oh, yeah. 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 You're going to get a chance. Now, I will say this. Everybody that's right now here on earth, and you and I are having a conversation about spirituality. My guess would be that our souls 
have been to the planet multiple times, multiple incarnations. The fact that we're sitting here having a spiritual conversation, you know, it means that our that the souls have it, it's we're not new souls. We've been we've been around the block. Um, however, it, the fact that we're here it also means that we have chosen to come here to learn lessons. So, mm-hmm. um, I think if you don't want to come back, I think you can make that choice. I think this is what I believe. I, mean, I think when you die, you will meet um, with your your guides, your teachers. You will kind of debrief on this life. Here's what happened in this life, and then you'll make a choice. Do you want? And this is a choice for your soul. Yeah. Not for your current life personality. Yes, not, not for, for this. Soul. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for the but soul. your soul will make a choice. So do I, hey, do I want to come back and try again to learn these lessons? Or have I had enough? Or maybe I want to take a pause. I think, again, I think free will comes into it. Uh, but yeah. that's what I think will happen. So if you don't want to come back, I don't think you have to come back. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it, you know, because I'm just talking from the perspective that I am here and I'm, I'm, I'm laying witness to you know, so much division, so much separateness. This is why I, I, I was, I believe I was chosen to discuss and talk about oneness because it emanates with me, uh, for emanates from me, I should say, but it's part of me. And, uh, and I just see that, that, you know, that it never, it never ends. Like, uh, uh, one of the chapters in my recent book, um, because I wrote it during, during the COVID lockdown, and uh, I was just making a point about how there's been pandemics throughout time yeah. and that there always will be. This yeah. is uh, this planet's an organism, as, as you know, and this is what happens. But from that, I actually started thinking about, all right, so let's like stretch it beyond just the global pandemic. Has there ever been a time where there has been anything close to resembling peace? As, as we would like to see it one day. Yeah. And there really hasn't been. And I look at that as such a shame because we're such a beautiful species, but yet we just can't get this shit right, Sean. I know. I, I agree. And I do agree. I mean, but let me, let me flip that around just a little bit. If, if you didn't have um, division and darkness and apparent evil, it would be hard to learn lessons. I mean, Absolutely, yeah. You, you, I, I get that here, point. If, you, if you accept the premise that your soul is choosing to come here to learn lessons, if everything was peaches and cream, then it's harder to learn lessons yeah. in that environment. So it's, I don't want to, it's not and like- And that falls into the conversation about duality or contrast yeah. as how I like to term it. Because I say the reason why we're here, you know, like to realize what oneness is, because we come from oneness to realize what we are fully. We have to experience what we are not. And yeah. that's why we incarnate into the, into life. So yeah. we can see light, dark, up, down, good, bad, even though it's judgmental yeah. to your point, you, you know, yes, that's why. So to not have it, I guess, wouldn't, wouldn't serve that purpose, but. I, I yeah. And your message of oneness, I think is incredibly important. Uh, it's the first chapter in my book. It, it, the first chapter is called The Universe is Intelligent and Compassionate. And if you read through that chapter, what I end up saying is that we're all a part of that compassion. I, the metaphor I like to use is if you think that the universe is this kind of infinite ocean of intelligence and com- compassion, I think your soul is like a wave on that ocean. 
Man. And I think this lifetime is like a little drop of water that is separated from the wave for, for a little bit, for a period of time. Um, and then it rejoins the wave and then another life, you know, another drop. And then another, you know, your, your, your lifetimes are like these little drops that are separated yeah. from the wave. But, but in reality, the ocean and the wave and the drop, they're are all one. They're all the same thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They, they take different forms, but they are all made out of the same stuff. And so that's how I think about it. I think when you start to view this life here through the lens of your soul, it, it, it just starts to make more sense, more logical sense yeah. to me. I have trouble making sense of all the things you're talking about in the absence of that. I mean, it's this, you, I like to ask people, why do you think that you're here? What, why do you think we're here on this planet? Is it just some random quirk of- What's faith? the biggest response that you get from that question? Well, sometimes people say they, it's random. Yeah. Sometimes people think, sometimes people say, well, I don't think there is a God because- that you can you can point to incest. You can point to all kinds of other yeah. horrendous things that happen here. But that's assuming that a god or the universe or the higher source interferes, and that's yeah. not free will. And that's in that we always get back to telling them, yeah, you're here free will. So don't expect you know favors. And why would God allow you know incest, like you said, and, and other things that are we do I mean, bad? This, this gets. I mean, again, I've done research on this. Um, if you start looking at mediums and um, people that have say that they have this connection to the other side and you start, start listening to what they say, and this is a tough message and I, I hesitate to bring it up, but I will. A lot of the very bad things that happen to people, in some cases, what these mediums tell us is that it actually may have been planned that way by your soul. Yeah. You, you, you may, in fact, you may have even volunteered yeah. to play that role. I totally to help, believe to, I to totally help. buy into that, Sean. I always have, yeah. uh, because to me, that just lays more credence to how I think of, of, of free will. And I, me personally, I think that when we're on the side, on the other side, charting this out, we like have a tendency to look at what this might be as almost a video game like oh yeah. i can accept that challenge i'm going to come here and be handicapped yeah. or i'm going to go there and i'm going to be crippled to some degree yeah. now that sounds weird for a lot of people to buy into but if you think about it we're setting this up and i've always believed in that premise so we're writing these charts i, I mean we're taught not to judge others and i and i think one of the reasons that's true is that you just don't know you you, you see a homeless person in the street, you, you, you have no idea what their soul may have chosen for them yeah. in this life. And they're, they may be learning all kinds of lessons in, in that. I mean, I, that's what I believe. It's I, people want to debate this and argue with this and believe me, it is a tough teaching, but I, it also is reported pretty consistently with people who through through uh, hypnotic regression to the time between lives and through mediums uh, and other people who can connect on the other side. This is what's reported pretty commonly that wow. your soul your soul is choosing um, these opportunities for you to learn and and so a lot of times if you know if you see somebody in a grocery store and you say oh, you know you can have a tendency to judge if you see oh look at that fat slob or who, you know, you can have a tendency, but if you step back and say, well, no, hold on that, 
person is a fellow spiritual traveler, a spiritual warrior here on earth. They've chosen to come here just like you and learn their lessons. And who am I to judge how, how they're learning their lessons? Exactly. I I can't judge that. I mean, I have no idea what their, what their backstory is. I'm talking about their soul their soul's backstory into why they chose to come to earth and the things that they're experiencing. I mean, I, you are I, a great truth seeker, my friend, you know, yeah. I'm enjoying this conversation, Sean, so much because everything that you're mentioning and talking about is just coming from a place of, you know, uh, inquiring minds per se, like yeah. you just wanted to know, and you're still seeking knowledge as yeah. I am, as well as so many millions of others out there. But um, yeah, you're yeah, right, I, man. And I, yeah, a big message in my, in my book is, you know, I talk about spiritual engineering. And so if you look at science, there's, there's the world of science, which is understanding the philosophy and the concepts and, and kind of the theories. And then engineering is all about applying it, applying it yeah. in the real world. So I think the niche that I'm trying to fill in spirituality is, okay, you, you, need, you do need to understand the concept or the principle, but now how do you apply that in your life? And so I, a, big, a, por- a big portion of the book is about how to apply it in your life. And I think um, meditation, I think, is very important. I think that's kind of a foundational practice. Sure. Think- that's, a, that's a direct connection. Yes. Uh, yes. If you, if you attain yes. that like, level that you're seeking. Yeah. Yes. I think the practice of uh, presence being pre- in the present moment. I think that's, ext- I mean, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle. That yep. was one of the first uh, spiritual books that I read a long time ago, The Power of Now. Power of now yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the practicing presence, and again, you, you see that same concept show up in, in the New Testament and with other teachers. I mean, Eckhart wasn't the first one to, to talk about this. He, of course. He, he pulled it together and, and it was a very nice, a very good book, but it wasn't, that's not the first time that our spiritual teachers have told us about staying in the present moment. The other one I would say that, so I think meditation presence and the other one I would, I would call out is, is acceptance. Mm. I think Jesus was a big teacher of acceptance and you say, well, I don't remember Jesus talking about acceptance. Well, he did in the sense that one of his main teachings was about forgiveness and forgiveness is a really high form of acceptance. Stop and think about it. So, and forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for your, it's for your benefit. It's to keep your mental landscape clean. That's yeah. really what forgiveness is for. So here's what I like to say on that topic too, that, you know, because I have a whole chapter about acceptance and I try to come across and tell my friends that when you understand and practice that term acceptance more, you have less to forgive. It just is, it's just natural because you're accepting more. So what is there to forgive? Yeah. You're accepting yeah. life more. Yeah. And sometimes people want to argue, well, I'm not going to accept this situation. It's a horrible situation. No, no, no. You're if judging. It's already, yeah. If it's already occurred, you have no choice but to accept it. Now, going forward, sure, change your situation, take action, get out of it, whatever. But if it's if something has already occurred, then you the only logical, rational choice is to accept it. You, yeah. Because if you spend your time just obsessing over the past and churning and churning. And believe me, I, I've done this. I know this. You, you, that's, that's not benefiting anybody. 
That's the spilt milk paradigm there. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. So present moment. And I mean, I tend to get caught more about worrying about the future. That's kind of my special thing that I have to deal with. I have some, yeah. every once in a while I can get anxious, anxiety about things. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a warrior. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the engineer uh, in me. Uh, what if this happens? What if this happens? But I find the meditation practice and if you're willing to put some, you know, to start off with 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, I find that it really helps to ground you. Absolutely. I think during, during the day, if you find your, your head is spinning about either the future or the past, it's helpful just to take a deep breath, take a deep breath. The simplest, the simplest things like that, Sean, right? Like just take a, take a second, wherever you are in the middle of a meeting, I can't tell you how many times, like in my business, career, uh, uh, you know, I would just have to just, you know, just take that deep breath. But I knew enough to tell myself that. Yeah. Yeah. Your breath has a very uh, helpful uh, quality and that it's always there. So common, if, you, yeah. if you ever find yourself stressing about the future or worrying about, you know, or, or obsessing about the past, I mean, your, your breath is a very nice thing. Um, and even better, if you can focus on your breath and bring in some emotions, uh, uh, around com- compassion, around gratitude. I mean, that's even better. That's maybe a more advanced technique, but to start, just focus on your breath and bring yourself back to the, to the present moment. And I think that that, that does a lot of good. It, it help, I know it helps me. Um, it absolutely does help during, during the day. Um, but yeah, I was going to mention the, the book. You had another story too. That yeah. I, I was going to tell you another you. story about the book. So, um, in, in the book, I talk about um, trusting the universe. Yeah. It's, it's the last chapter in the book. And it's kind of, if you, if you believe that the universe is intelligent and compassionate, like I know you do, and I, this is what I believe, then there's a natural corollary to that, which is you should trust the universe. It's a natural, if you stop and think about it, if it's compassionate and intelligent, then, well, then I should trust it. I should trust the universe. Mm. And so people want to say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. How can I trust the universe? How do I know that there's even such a thing as a universe? And in that chapter, I end up talking about um, looking for signs from the universe. And I think the universe is always whispering to us. I think sometimes it, it's always whispering. Sometimes it talks to you. And sometimes every once in a while it shouts. Yeah. Yeah. And we found that out, right? In a lot yeah. Of ways. Yeah. It yeah. And, and the shouting is the universe, you know, it, it's when things happen, when, when, when life events happen that are so, uh, I don't know, life changing or high stakes or a lot of emotion or just that's the universe shouting to you. The one story I want to tell is when I think the universe was shouting at me, it was via what we call a synchronicity. And so Carl Jung uh, coined this term. Synchronicity is kind of a meaningful coincidence. Mm. And it has meaning to the person. Um, and, and as opposed to a coincidence, you're like, oh, that's, that's unusual. Well, that just happened. But, uh, but sometimes a coincidence happens that is so um, 
imbued yeah. with meaning that it's like you step back and say, wow, what in the world just happened here? Well, think about what that word even means, like how Wayne Dyer used to say, there's no coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. And he yeah. said, if you even take the word, it means to coincide. 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 Right? <laughs> so, it's... so I'm going to tell you this story. Yeah. Um, and I get chills every time I tell this story. And it still has a lot of meaning to me, even today. This, I don't know, this probably happened 10 or 15 years ago. Um, it was when I was working um, with this large company and we were, we were on a, um, a volunteer mission and we were volunteering at a soup kitchen um, in, I think it was South Dakota, middle of nowhere. We were in some soup kitchen, okay? We were volunteering for the night shift. We were serving dinner um, and we were there serving dinner and cleaning up. And so I'm there with my work uh, crew, uh, probably, you know, seven or eight of us that are there volunteering. Mm-hmm. It gets to the end of the shift and we're cleaning up. There's still a few customers there finishing up dinner. And all of a sudden, this young man walks into the soup kitchen and he is obviously strung out. He is, he's very hyper. He's looking around the room. His head's jerking around the room. He's got these red blotches on his cheek. His eyes are red. He's a regular, he's obviously a regular because he's kind of shaking hands with people. He's slapping people in the back. He's been to this place multiple times. I'm in the back of the room cleaning a table. I'm like wiping down this table. I see this kid. I see him and I say to myself, I do not want to talk to this young man. I just don't. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have some conversation about whatever it is he's going to talk about. And so I'm looking down. I'm actively like looking at the table, cleaning, trying to avoid this guy. You don't want eye contact. I don't want eye contact. I look up and he looks right at me and he goes like this. I'll be over in a minute. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm like, what the heck just happened? And the kid comes right up to me. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to have to have this conversation with some drug addict that I really don't want to have. And he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing okay. And he's like, he's like, I really appreciate you guys uh, volunteering here. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's good. And I don't know how it happened, Danny, but he, we ended up talking about, he always said, I came from the library. I'm like, oh, okay, what, what, what were you doing in the library? I, he goes, I go there a lot. And I'm, he goes, it's like my second home. And I'm thinking, well, that's probably your only home. You know, this kid looks like he's living in the street. And I said, well, well, what do you read in the library? And he starts ticking off all of these spiritual books. He mentioned The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Wow. He mentioned a, a book, a very obscure book about Jesus written by a, a biblical scholar called Marcus Borg, Borg, that I had read the same book. It was a very obscure book. And it's people just, that's not a book that normal people read, but it, he mentioned that book. He mentioned two or three other books that I had in my, and I, and so now I'm like, yeah, this is all right. This odd. is this yeah. kind of odd. This is interesting. Um, we end up talking some more. We're, we're comparing notes on all these books and I'm like, okay, this is weird. This is kind of weird. You know, find this kid who obviously has some other issues, but he's interested in spirituality. I'm interested in spirituality. So we have this conversation somewhere along the line. He says he, he is studying, um, September 11th. I said, Oh, why are you studying September 11th? You know, the, the event that happened in 2001. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes, I, he goes, I don't know. It's just kind of an interest of mine. I said, what's well, an interest of mine too. I said, you know, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. And so, and he goes, he goes, well, 
the reason why I'm interested in it is that it's my birthday. September 11th is my birthday. And my, my chin hit the floor. And I said, that's also my birthday. Get out. And he's like, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, it is. And so <laughs> we pull out our, we each pull out our driver's license. Oh my God. And we're comparing driver's driver's licenses. Yeah. This is September 11th. Mine's September 11th. Right. Danny, right. As we were looking at the driver's licenses over a table over this lady shouts out, somebody help him. He's choking. And I mean, this happens right as we're comparing driver's licenses. This old man was eating and he's doing the, he's clutching at his throat. He's choking, obviously choking. It's this long beard. He's choking. The kid bounds over and gives the, the old man the Heimlich. Get out. Yeah. And you, you see this piece of Salisbury steak pop out of his mouth or whatever. And he, and the, the guy's like saved by this kid. Oh my God. And the kid comes right back to me. And I'm like, I'm like, it was so surreal. I'm not doing it justice here. It was so surreal. I almost knew that he, before he even said his birthday was September 11th, I almost knew that he was going to say that at the time. Yeah. But right as we were checking the birth dates, he, he gives the Heimlich to this guy, saves this guy's life, comes right back over. And I'm like, what just Didn't happened? miss a beat, right? Yeah, he didn't miss a beat. He just came right back over like nothing. Man. And I'm like, what just happened here? That's a special being though. And, and I said- and he said, I don't know. What do you, what do you think happened? And I said, I think this is what they call a synchronicity. I mean, what are the chances? I, we're talking about spiritual. You mean the same birthday? Wow. Same birthday. You saved this guy's life right at the, and, and he, and I said, he said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, I said, I don't know. I, I said, what are you going to do about it? I mean, kind of, you know, implying, you know, yeah. You know, and at that time, my work crew was like, Hey, we got to go back. Okay. We're going to leave. And so I left, I never saw this kid again. And I, I realized after the fact that our situations were not too different in, in the sense that this kid was well-versed in spirituality. He, however, was obviously, I mean, in the, he was doing research and reading and education. Yeah. He was not on a spiritual path per se, because he had other problems. Right. And but I, I couldn't say much different for me because I had done all this same research and reading and uh, I could quote all these spiritual principles, but I, what was I doing with it? And so that is when I decided to write the book. And that book was born out of that episode. I mean, it, it took, another, it took you know, a, a few years after that, but that's when I started doing the research. I started building this database. I mean, I started doing all the research for the book. And the book eventually came um, basically as a result of that night is really how I- And it sounds like what you're happens. saying about this young man, Sean, is that, you know, like to me, it like sounds like he had this, this, this essence about him, like a calmness, like he didn't seem yeah. uptight, obviously when he first started talking to you, yeah. he, he approached you like, yeah. and from I mean, a, every, like everything was very calm, not like, you know, cause you see some like homeless people who are oh, agitated oh yeah. and if, very, if, and if you take away his drug addiction, he was very uh, calm. He was very intelligent. I'm wow. sure he could, I'm sure he could, I mean, he could have done a lot of things with his life. Um, wow. But here, here he was getting his dinner um, in a place where I'm sure he frequented and he had this addiction issue. And listen, I mean, I, chapter two of my book is called Getting Lost in the World. And, and, you know, a lot of spiritual teachers talk about this. There's lots of ways to get lost in the world. 
Oh, Some sure. are pretty serious, you know, like serious drug addictions, but th there's also lots of little ways to get lost in the world, social yeah. media, television, uh, you know, gambling. So hard, it's getting worse nowadays, yeah. Yeah, so who am I to judge? I mean, there's lots of ways to get lost in the world. This kid had, had was lost in the world, um, but- but he still had this other light about him that's yeah, just so ah oh, so it's yeah. so beautiful man oh my god and he, and he, and he saved the guy's life and didn't yeah. even think twice it's about it. he came back and, and kept like talking to you you know yeah. I mean, he came nice. right back over yeah it was like he didn't bat an eye he saved that guy's life didn't say a word about it and we just resumed the conversation and about that time i had to leave and it's like well man that was i i on the bus ride home i was calling my kids i was calling my wife i mean i was so i was just like Man, I can't believe this happened. You gotta, you gotta hear this. You gotta hear this. I mean, I don't know. To me, it was a synchronicity, and it, to me, if you have an authentic synchronicity, it is a sign from the universe. It is the universe shouting. And, Absolutely. And so, I mean, that's probably the strongest synchronicity that I've had. I mean, the other one I told you about was just my wife and her birthmark. I mean, that was another sign. I, I think the universe every once in a while gives us these nods, these signs to let yeah. a wink. Almost a way of like confirming that. Yes, th this is the way you're, yes, yes, this is the path for you. It, uh, because it just resonates. It touches your very soul, especially like you, like how you must've been, how, how you still are speaking about the story. How many years ago was this? Gosh, it was probably, four or five years ago. Think about yeah. it. And you're yeah. still talking about it yeah. verbatim like that. Yeah. The top of your head, you know, every, yeah. every, every little nuance about it. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. It, it's um it's a story that stayed with me and I'm just telling you, I, it's hard to describe how surreal it was when it was happening. And it, part of the reason why it was so important to me was it right when we were talking and before we had, were sharing birthday licenses i mean i it almost i almost knew that that was going to i just like i almost had a premonition that that was going to happen right before he even said that and then yeah. and then it happened it was like man this is so weird and then he saves this guy's life and i don't know i yeah. that was in some people could say well that doesn't sound like much but i you know i it it's it was meaningful to me and i think that these synchronicities are very personal things and you're the one that has to attach the meaning to it absolutely yeah. but yeah. it is it is most definitely signs from from your higher source, from your God, from your universe, whatever term that we said we may have to give to you. Sean Salamander, man, crushing it. This is this is outstanding. Obviously, I can I can talk for eons with you and and it's and it's just wonderful. But um, typically, like at this point, Sean, I like to put my guests on the spot. OK, if you don't mind. <laughs> sure. Go for it. You know, um, it's uh, something that I like to ask my guests only because I like to get their kind of off the cuff kind of response. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a question, but it's very simple. I've had people answer it in two or three words. I've had yeah. people answer it in two or three minutes. So totally up to you, but I want to ask you this one question. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here's the question, Sean. The question is why oneness? Why oneness? Well, I would say that, and from a, I may answer it from a scientific perspective, I would say it's the only thing that makes sense of the data. Uh, we could start. We could start talking about quantum physics if you like. 
Um, we could start talking about um, paranormal. We could start talking about psychic experiences. We could talk, start talking about synchronicities. Yeah. I think that the, from an Occam's razor standpoint, that oneness is the best explanation of all of those events. That somehow, some way, maybe we don't have the scientific description for it, but somehow, some way, we are all connected to one another. Wow. Um, and 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 it go, I go back to this kind of you know if if we are waves on an ocean. Uh, and, and our life is a little drop above the wave and the wave is your soul. Well, then we are all connected in the yeah. same ocean. Um, so I, to me, it's the only model, the only hypothesis that makes sense with all of the observations, the data that I've experienced in my life. Mm. If you want to go further, you can validate it by, I think other spiritual teachers, that's a key message that they've had as well. Yeah. It's the key message that they've had as well. Um, like we said, it has and, been carried down, you know what I mean? Uh, it's in, and, it's, and I guess to answer it a different way, if you say why oneness, I mean, it, if you realize that and you believe that and you feel it and you know it, then you start to treat your fellow humans in, in a different light, right? Because if we are all one, which I believe we are, well, then you're, you're only hurting yourself if you're doing something mean or bad. Bingo. Yeah. And do unto others, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's all, it's all the same. It's, it's yes. really all the same. So, yes, uh, I think I, yeah, I think it's the only paradigm that, that explains all of the phenomena, all of yeah. the, phenomena that to me it's the only thing that makes sense and um i i haven't like one of the things that i haven't had as a as a meditator is you know sometimes people that have been meditating for a long time they'll have this extreme feeling of oneness yeah so i haven't i mean very I tough place to get to yeah. I, I haven't i haven't personally i've i've had experiences i think that, i've been close yeah, Sean, you know what I mean? But like to I, have that kind of, you know, euphoria. One, one, one of the, I'll tell you a real, another quick story. I talk about this in the book too. I, I was in Sanibel Island, which is an island on Southwest Florida. And we, yeah. I, I biked out to a bird sanctuary um, by myself early morning, went to this bird sanctuary. It was kind of the, and I was just sitting, um, I parked my bike, walked up to the shore and I was watching these birds ducks and all these shorebirds walking around in shallow water they're splashing around in the water they're eating fish they're and the sun was hitting the water the birds were splashing around and i had this i was overcome with joy and so much so that wow. i i i had to, i mean it's hard to explain i just i had almost like tears and i couldn't even explain why but it that's probably the closest i've come to this feeling of oneness, but mm. I was so, I just had an experience of joy. You just for, felt that connection. Yeah. Just, at that moment. Was, yeah. In the moment, I, I wish it, it would happen more. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sure. the truth of it. You know, obviously there's like proof that it can happen anywhere, anytime yes. you could be meditating or just biking out to, you know, see birds, you know, yeah, I think, man, I think meditation, that's the beauty of it. I think meditation lays the groundwork for that. Sure. 
Um, and it sets us up to know, like yeah. for that connection, for the breath and everything to try and get, you know, as, as quiet as we can. Yeah. It and so that would be my answer. I know that's kind of a long winded answer. Nah, but hey, but listen, my friend, that that is that is beautiful. And uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing it in in such words and in such a manner. Cause it's, it's beautiful. Cause there is no like right or wrong answer. I just like to ask my guests that because everyone has, you know, a slightly different spin, but everyone's answer has been so beautiful. In fact, one of the things that I want to do at some point is I'm going to take that brief section of all of my podcasts and just make some like, kind of like, like montage or out yeah, of it. Cause it would be so in, just everyone's little vert of why and I'll start off. And now here is Sean Salamander. Why one does right. go? You know what I mean? Right. But um, so listen, um, I, uh, you know, like I want you to tell my friends where they can follow all things, Sean Salaman, all things about the hidden yeah. teachings, the books, uh, like I'll be sharing it all throughout the, you know, the, uh, yeah. the description page and everything. Um, I'm active on Twitter. So um, you can find me there at, um, at Sean Salamander, just all one word. Okay. Um, I also am active on uh, Substack. So I, I write. Um, spiritual short spiritual articles it's a free subscription okay it's kind of the intersection of spirituality and science and that's um sean, uh, seansalamander.substack.com that's on my it's also on my twitter page those are probably the two big places um twitter and then the substack um, where do they buy the book the book is on amazon you can search up my last name or the hidden teachings and you'll see the book on amazon um, right now I just have it in Kindle version and paperback. I've, I, I have it on my list of things to do, to do an audio book. Um, I'm working on a second book right now about the afterlife and the evidence for the afterlife. Uh, that, that, that book is probably halfway through right now. And again, I'm approaching that from a kind of a scientific and engineering perspective. What is the evidence that mm -hmm. exists for the afterlife, not just, you know, here's, here's a belief, but what is the evidence that we have? And there's, there is evidence. I think we can point to. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean, listen, uh, I am really lost for words to, with, with thanks and gratitude. Uh, I can't tell you how much I enjoy this. You have such a unique way of, of express of expressing all of your uh, spirituality that you have. And that's what I love most about doing podcasts because everyone's a little different, uh, but you're so relatable. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing this episode and uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to staying more in touch with you, brother, as, yeah. as, as we continue. But uh, so thank you for that. And uh, for my friends out there, thank you again for listening to the podcast that I call that oneness guy. As always, you know how much I appreciate you all tuning in as I continue to share my message of oneness and the spiritual gifts and insight that guests like Sean are so kind to share. Uh, just as a reminder, this has been episode number 52, an interview with spiritual author Sean Salamander. So until next time, again, my name is Danny Rongo. I am that oneness guy, as you know. So please look for my next show. And uh, until then, as always, I send you peace, love, light, and continued oneness. Namaste. Namaste. Thanks, Dan. The words that will comfort me, I am. I thank you again for listening to That Oneness Guy podcast. 
please take a moment to subscribe to this feed wherever you may be listening to or watching this podcast. And please look me up and follow me on social media. You can find that oneness guy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search for that oneness guy. And finally, to stay in touch with all things oneness, my books, and performances, please visit my websites, thatonenessguy.com and dannyrongo.com. In closing, remember this. Oneness is not a religion. You can call it a spirituality, but it is more than that. It is a truth and a knowing. The knowing that we emanate from one source. Just like branches on any one tree, we are individualized expressions of that source. This is the truth of our race, the human race. I am am one of many who have come to sing